Welcome everyone to the Reflection Artist Live podcast hosted by myself, Justin Lobato. Set your calendars to tune in every Wednesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time or 9 a.m. Pacific Time where I will be bringing you industry spotlight interviews live from my active detail shop or an industry event. So if you're curious about who is who and what is what in the detail industry, don't forget to subscribe and tune in every Wednesday for some of the most exclusive interviews. All right, perfect, perfect, perfect. We are officially live on Facebook, and today is Wednesday, February 24th, and we have our special guest today, Matthew Arndt of Matt's, uh, I'm sorry, Matt Arndt of Matthew's Specialized Detailing. There you go. Um, And um, he is number 17 of our Reflection Artist Live podcast, and we want to dive into him being an operator and being in the detail industry for over 25 years and recently of course having and acquiring his own business of detailing for the last couple of years and how successful he's been with that and of course digging into the background of what has led him up to this point of owning and operating his own business so Matthew thank you for being on with us and I just wanted to uh, give you the floor but most of all uh, to start off you know how you got started where it all began and, and where this all bloomed into today sure yeah there's there's so much to talk about and I, i'll i'll try to <laughs> not get lost along the way so if i if i fall off the rails pull pull me back in but nope, uh, nope you're good so you know as my 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 father michael was a school teacher and um you know he is he had a little side hustle as a painter and so my dad taught school during yeah, obviously during the day and then on the weekends he was doing a side hustle painting homes and you know my dad wasn't a real car guy he appreciated a clean vehicle so I mean kind of started you know on the weekends especially having a family and then having to kind of shuffle some of his you know his equipment <laughs> here kind of in and out of a vehicle so not every weekend but often weekends it would be you know cleaning up the car the mess he made from hauling his painting stuff around, vacuuming out the interior, you know, just simple stuff. At that time, it was, wasn't really detailing. It was just washing the car. Yeah. But as a painter, he has an eye for detailing. And I I can attest to that because I painted for three, almost four years and it made me get a better eye for detail. And I believe that contributed big time. Absolutely. I I don't know how he did it. I mean, we just recently had some paint work done in the house and I, we hired painters to do it. And I, not that I can't paint, but it's, it, you know, when you, you take on a big job like that, where you're doing ceilings and walls and trim, it's, it's daunting. So, <laughs> so that's kind of what wet my fuse with, with, uh, cleaning cars was hanging around with my pop, you know, in the driveway on the weekends. And as I got into high school and I was in, um, the automotive program, my sophomore year in high school, we, uh, I, I forget what period it was, but it was an afternoon class and, Luckily, I got kind of got teamed up through the work program and through my automotive class, I landed a job as a porter at a local car dealership. And that's what from that point, you know, I mean, I, I always enjoyed cleaning up cars. But, you know, in the in the late 90s, uh, being a porter for a Pontiac and a Hyundai and a Honda dealership, it was three car lines. It was it was like it was a time of my life. And my first boss, Bill Reese, I'll, I'll never I mean, he was kind of like my first mentor. He was the guy that taught me how to, how to buff cars. And, and uh, he, he said this thing that I still, you know, think about often. He said, this job 
today at the dealership is a stepping stone. And the, the, the things that you learn here at, at this job will carry with you for the rest of your life, you know? And I was a sophomore in high school and I, I, I had, was having the time of my life because number one, being in the work program allowed you to get out of school early. And yep. <laughs> so I, I was like, yes, we're getting out of school early. And, and so my mother at the time was actually working at the high school um, in the library. So my mom would, you know, take me, shuttle me from school to the house so I could change, grab a snack, head over to the, to the car dealership. And, you know, I was working part-time. I think my hours were three to nine. And um, that's, that's really where I got in, into the, you know, where I really started kind of taking more of a, of a, a close look at what's going on. Because at that time, we were, you know, basic when you're a porter, you're a jack of all trades, you're shuffling cars, bringing them up for customers. But at that time, Pontiac, we had a really big fleet business where we were, you know, kind of fleet, uh, fleeting cars to Mary Kay and other rental services. So we were a group of four or five of us that worked part-time. We were prepping 17 to 20 cars uh, a night. Now, you know, not detailing, but pulling the plastic off the seats, taking the window stickers off the car, new car you know, prep hand washing them, dressing the tires, kind of just, you know, getting the pre-delivery, you know, inspection done. And so um, that's, that's where it really started. And what had happened, I briefly left the car dealership um, to go work a summer job, working construction, making a little bit more money. And when I left, I left on good terms. And the, the manager at the time was going back to school. So the dealership had contacted me and said, Hey, look, our manager is, you know, is going back to school. Would you be interested in coming back to work for us? And, you know, this would be the pay. And so I was like, wow, this is great. And I liked working there because it was very close to my home. You know, if I had to, I could ride a bike up there. I mean, I was less than three miles from the dealer. So it was, it was a convenient thing for me because it was close. Very nice. Yeah. So I, you know, working there, when I went back to go work, um, after I left for that summer construction job, my pay plan changed a little bit for the better. And I started getting commission on, on CSIs. And it was basically when, when someone buys a new vehicle, you know, they fill out a survey and all that stuff. And if you, if we met that criteria for uh, appearance, I would get commission checks at the end of the month. And so that was when, that was the extra incentive for me to have a little bit more of a watchful eye on how these vehicles are looking, you know, because, you know, we, we knew how to clean cars, but it wasn't about like the meticulous of it. It was kind of like, you know, at that time in the nineties where we were, the dealership, it was called um, Ridge Motors at the time and then changed to O'Hare Auto Group because it's real close to O'Hare Airport. And so we had this issue where the planes would land and all the new cars that would sit on the lot would just get assassinated with soot. Yeah. So we would, every new car at that time that was sold, we would have to basically bring them into the shop hand wash them. We'd wash them with the greaser to get the soot off the vehicle. And then that would strip all the wax. So we'd have to hand wax every car and every vehicle, every new vehicle at that time was hand waxed. And, and I think we were using uh, a blue coral wax at the time in the nineties and something basic, inexpensive, something basic, inexpensive. And it was a great product, but super challenging to use. You put it on and it was a real pain in the butt to wipe off. (laughs) You mean when you got to pump the brakes, when you try to take it off. Yeah. yeah, I was like, it's not, it's not coming off. That was, uh, that kind of, 
you know, really got me engaged in, in cleaning cars. And I, I stayed with the dealership. Uh, I was with the dealer for almost seven years into my early twenties through high school. And, uh, and you know, I loved it. The dealership gave me more responsibilities as I was with them because, because I was close. Um, and I built a pretty good rapport with the owner. They, I, I, they, they started trusting me more. So I, I got the keys to the building. I started doing snow removal and, um, you know, there was a sense of pride with it. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, I'm a young man, you know, I value my work and, and these guys value me. And it was a great, great way to kind of scale as a young man, you know, in the industry. So I, I was very happy with the job and some things management changed. And it, what, what was happening in the dealership is Pontiac, Pontiac was a real slam dunk through the eighties and in the nineties, but on the tail end, Pontiac started to lose its traction and, and, you know, we also had the Honda line and obviously in the nineties, the Honda line started picking up. So as, as things kind of changed and my role kind of changed, management changed. And there was a lot of old school, bitter Pontiac guys that I always felt they didn't really want me around. And I think they felt threatened by me because I was young and I was pretty tight with the, with the owner of the dealer. So I started getting a bad taste in my mouth about it. And I'm like, you know, there's gotta be more to just working at this car dealership. And, um, the, there was a local company that uh, out of Elk Grove that was bringing us the reconditioning supplies, you know, the, the bulk, the bulk car wash soap, the bulk all-purpose cleaner and the gallons of this and the brushes and the towels. And as I grew my career at the dealership, I was in charge of ordering the detailing supplies. So when the, the sales guy would show up, I'd be like, Hey, I need a five of this. I need a gallon of this, a barrel of this. And, and, um, we had built a relationship and, and I, I kind of was into it, you know, and I'm like, man, this is a, this is a, this is a cool job. You know, you show up in the truck and you got this mobile store with, you know, all this cool, you know, this cool detailing stuff on there. I'm like, man, I, I think I would like to do this, you know, for all the magic happens, right? <laughs> all the magic happens. And so I, I, you know, I built a, I built a relationship with, with, uh, with that company and he was going through some growing pains himself. So he, you know, he had, He's basically said, Hey, I, I'm, I agree to hire you, but you got to give me like a, like six months. So it was great. I took a little break from the dealership. I, I resigned and uh, I took the summer off. I went out West, did some backpacking and, and did some mountain biking with some friends and then came back and I started working for this local company called pro finish and uh, great, great job, great organization, great family owned business, uh, really really allowed me to spread my wings and put on the salesman cap. And at the time, the, the gentleman that was training me, he, um, you know, I'd go out in the field with them every day. And in our market in Chicago, in the nineties, the, the hand car wash business in Chicago was just booming and they were popping up. We had a lot of old, you know, old industrial buildings where rent was cheap then, and we didn't really have any labor problems. So it was like the hand car wash was this big thing. So I'd go out in the field with him and, and I would work two days, two days in the two to three days in the field. But then the other two days were warehouse days, right? Stock inventory, you know, put away drums and put away fives and gallons. And then the other thing, one day a week, which I is the day I hated was actually doing buffer repairs. I had to, when a buffer would break, you know, we'd bring them back to the shop and whether it was the speed control or the triggers or the, you know, the strain relief and the cords and stuff. That was what I hated doing the most. Not that 
I, I, I was okay at it, but it was just tedious, you know? Yeah. So yeah. Take That's cool apart. though that you guys did that as a company. Cause you don't find many, uh, you know, now the, the distributors that are on the road, um, they're not usually doing that at all. They, they'll give you a phone number and refer you to a place that does, but they don't take it in house to be like, Hey, you know, we got you, we'll take care of you. We'll, we'll pull it apart and find the problem and fix you're it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. It was, uh, that, that was, uh, you know, and I think then, you know, my, I still have my old Milwaukee polisher on, on the rack that I bought, you know, in the nineties. And I think repairs, you don't want to repair it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, they don't break as much, but the, the repairs, you know, they were rather simple. You know, yes. it was either the trigger would fail, the, the speed control would fail or the cord. Well, the brushes, so, right? This most yeah. simple thing, the brushes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, we were selling at the time, DeWalt tools and Milwaukee tools and, the DeWalt's were a little bit more challenging because of the way the speed control was actually integrated into the switch. Oh. And that, that, that was, you had to use like a little paper clip to release the cord. And that's, <laughs> that's what I hated doing. But so I, you know, he, it, it was a, it was a really neat stepping stone to kind of, you know, learn a little bit more of like behind the scenes of what's going on. And, um, you know, at the time, I think the, the company, we in, had maybe 1500 to 2000 part numbers and, um, the, when the owner kind of cut me loose, I had to go out in the field on my own. I had about maybe one and a half to two days worth of customers that was maybe generating 15 to $18,000 worth of revenue and uh, monthly. And, the, you know, the owner was like, all right, look, this is enough to kind of get you started, but you need to go out and you need to cultivate new business. And so really I was in my early twenties, uh, I was 21 and I was, you know, on my own kind of out in the, you know, really with no, no agenda, no real guideline, kind of just almost like in the beginning, I almost kind of like driving around like aimlessly, like, all right, like, Hey, I, maybe I wonder where they buy stuff from. And that's, that's how I really got going. I would, I would show up at car washes. I would show up at detail shops. I would show up at municipalities and literally just strike up a conversation like a real door to door hustle, door to door hustle. And looking, you know, where we are now uh, in the modern world, which will tie all this back in as we wrap things up, but what a perfect time to be in route truck sales uh, in the timing of, of um, you know, being, it, this was before the smartphone. This was really before social media really got ramped up and before everybody could just push a button and see a picture or see an image. And so I was really blessed to have that opportunity um, when I had it and, and, you know, I, my, my years in the field as a sales guy, um, I think I have a natural, you know, gift to, to kind of talk to people. And I, I feel like I'm not threatening. So it's a super, super, super long sales process. You yeah. know what I mean? You'd be going on, you know, I, I, my, my first real, real big account that I landed, well, well actually two of them, it was a, uh, a, a, a Dodge, a Dodge dealership down in Orland park called Bettenhausen. And, um, they brought me in and I, I remember, um, their, the company that was servicing them at the time, they were going through some, uh, sales people issues. And the one sales guy that everybody liked, he retired or resigned. And I kept showing up on a weekly basis, trying to earn their business. And, you know, eventually because of just a personnel change and I was kind of the, the guy that was going there week after week, they were like, you know what, this guy's been here. Well, let's give him a shot. So they brought me in 
And it was just like, it, it's at, at that point, I feel like it started to spread like wildfire. I started getting, started popping some bigger veins and getting into some bigger accounts. Um, you know, cause a hand car wash is going to buy, you know, wash mitts and some brushes and stuff from you. They'll, they'll go through the stuff, but the dealership that's yeah. kind of doing a little bit more volume, number one, you're selling them more part numbers. Uh, and number two, they're, they're consuming it a lot more, you know, and they got more capital. So they more. that they feel that they want to buy more just for the reasoning of foreseeing something coming down the pipe with maybe inventory, you know, they're able to be like, you know what, we'll usually buy this, but let's buy this extra. As to with the small guys, they, you know, their capital is a little less, yes. you know, their, their, their throughput is less because they're only doing so much work. Sure. Uh, they try to kind of balance that product sure. service and yeah, no, that makes sense. You're hundred percent right about that. And really the, the, the biggest contributing factor to that is, is the weather because, you know, a, a plate, you know, we get, you know, hundred to 150 days, you know, almost half the year could be rain here, you know? Yeah. So if you're, you know, if you're a hand car wash or, you know, a detail shop, your, your workflow is contingent on the weather. Yeah, and, you're screwed if it rains a lot. Right. And so the dealership is still, is still powering through inventory, whether it's snowing, sleeting, raining, they got to get these cars in and they got to sell. Yep. So and they can the, facilitate that. Exactly. Exactly. So the, it was, it was a really neat thing, you know, and I, 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 I could go back and look at the numbers and see exactly what it was, but it, it was split up between dealerships, hand car washes, independent shops, and municipalities. I, I dealt with a few fire departments that they'd buy the bulk stuff to clean the fire trucks and stuff like that. Um, and I had a lot of fun, you know, and I, I feel like in my, in my early twenties, I was all about the chemical, the chemical, you know, I was so into it. I was so into the application and I was like, this is how it works. This is what you need to use that at that time, I, it's really cool to look back now to see where I'm at and how I've kind of let, let the brands and let that stuff kind of go at bay, because I feel like if I would have taken if I would have been a little bit more open-minded in my twenties, I think I would have been a little bit further along in my career. Not that That's I have everybody in their twenties though. doesn't matter what that applies to, right? In yeah. your twenties, you just kind of got a little bit of tunnel vision because it's the world, right? You just got released from your teenage years. Yes. It's like, Oh, I know what I know. And that's, that's it. That's all I need to know. Yeah. yeah. No, you, you are, you're right. <laughs> you're no, you're spot on. And, and I, I, I was, you know, at least I I played to my strengths. Yeah. You know, I was a good sales guy. I had a good product line. I had a lot to offer. I wasn't in, a, you know, I didn't disrespect people. I was, I, I was, I was a professional all the way, you know, from a young man. And well, and it sounds I, like too that people were coming to you because you were so knowledgeable based on the chemistry of the chemicals. I'm sure you had a lot of people that were looking to you as the as the local expert distributor. That if yeah. they had a, an issue, that you'd be able to provide a solution or find the answer okay. to a solution. Correct. Well, and that was, that was how, you know, and I'm going to tie this in as I, as I get into the other stuff, but you know, at that time I was dealing, you know, with, I, I, I don't mean this in disrespect. I was dealing with the bottom feeders, dealing with the guys in the back door. You know, I wasn't dealing with management. I'd walk in yeah. the back of the shop and I'd be like, Hey, you know uh, you know, I'm Matt, this is what I have to offer. And I have a question for you guys. I was like, is there anything in this, you know, this cleaning and detailing car wash process that you hate doing, what is it? Is it, is it cleaning rims? Is it cleaning tires? Is it cleaning windows? 
And, and it usually fell in the realm of, of cleaning interior windows, especially in a new car dealer, getting all the sticky snot from the stickers off and all the fog. And that was what I led. I led with the strength. We, we had a really awesome glass cleaner that everybody loved. And that, that piece, that kind of was my, my way in the door. And at that time, my mentor was, he was always kind of like, you know, you, what you should do is instead of try to sell, you should try to show. Don't, don't go in the door and try to sell these people, try to show them something. And if you can show them something that'll resonate with them. And then over time you'll earn their trust and then they'll want to buy from you. And it, it, it really worked, you know, because what I would do, I found myself, if I walked in the shop and I left somebody a sample of something, I'd come back next week and I'd be like, Hey, do you guys use this stuff? And they'd be like, yeah, it sucks. Yeah. Stuff doesn't, it doesn't work. Then I started asking specifics. Well, like, well, what about the product? Didn't you like? And I, I came to find out that these people were so busy that it's not that they disliked the product, but they never even used it. They never yeah. even had a chance to try it. So they, they just they just felt it was easier for them to be like, oh, yeah, we don't like it. You know, go, go away. So I tailored my sales pitch to kind of just be like, hey, let me show you this really cool thing. I don't want to show you how it works. And then I would I would show them and they, their mind would be blowing. And I'd be like, I'll see you next week. I'd walk out the door and not leave nothing. So then next week when I'd come back or the week after, they were kind of like, all right, what's this guy got next? You know what I mean? Like, what, what's he going to show us now? So Sounds that, like a trade show. That's, that how, was, that's how trade shows work. You got the polisher on and you're buzzing away. People come over. Ooh, what's that? What are you doing? You're standing yeah. there just talking to another person. They just pass by your booth. Yep. <laughs> yep. No, exactly right. So it, 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 I tailored my craft and, you know, over, over my, my seven years, it was seven, almost seven years with the dealership. And I was seven years on the route truck and I had grown my business. Like, I mean, doubled. I mean, in, in some of my, some of my home slam dunk months, we would have really big sales months in March. Um, we'd have some really big, like early summer, like May, June would be big months. And there were, I think my, my record in the route truck for one month was um, about 70,000. Wow. Did, was that commission or did they have you on a base pay hourly? Big commission. I worked a hundred percent commission job. Nice. So that, and so, yep. yeah, very yeah. cool. Yeah. So, I mean, I would average, you know, towards the end of my career there, I was averaging about 50 to 55,000 in sales a month from when I started, you know, with around 18,000. And, um, you know, and that it, was late nineties, early two thousands. This time was, frame? this was, so the dealership, I started at the dealership uh, in 97 and I left in the early two thousands and I started on the, uh, on the route truck, I think around 2000, and two, 2003, something yeah, so like that. That, that. that was decent money for getting into oh, yeah. the, the time frame. Absolutely. Yeah. I was, wow. I was, I was doing really well. And so, you know, I, things kind of started growing and, and, and where, where it started getting weird is I felt like, you know, at this point now I'm in my later twenties and I'm kind of looking more big picture down the road scope of things, kind of like, as much as I love the job, I didn't like the business model so much because I felt like, my gosh, you know, what happened? My father got sick. My dad was battling cancer and my dad was, you know, basically to and from the hospital. And it started giving me some foresight thinking like, I'm like, you know, God forbid I get hurt or I break my leg or something tragic happens. It's going to be hard for me to, to make, to make a living. And, um, 
my, you know, my dad getting sick kind of was what showcased that a little bit, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, the only way that I actually make a make money is by putting my two feet on the ground, driving to the end user and me physically putting the barrel or putting the drum, you know, putting the five and bringing this person the supplies. And I just felt like that that wasn't what I wanted to my the rest of my future to be like. So I had a little bit of a falling out with uh, the guy that I was working with and it didn't, it didn't go, it didn't end well. And it going back, I wish there were some things that I could have changed about that. But the truth of the matter is, is that it it was, it was just bad leadership and, and I wanted to go in one direction and he wanted to go another direction. So fast forward where it got kind of foggy is I left. Um, and I actually took a job working for uh, Sears Automotive because Sears at the time was trying to integrate a detailing program to their automotive shops. And so Sears hired me as a district manager to do some training mm-hmm. and to try to get the, this off the ground mm-hmm. locally here in our Chicago market. And while I was doing that, the manufacturer contacted me and had a falling out with the guy that I used to work for. And they wanted to give me the rights to the, you know, the distribution. So I was wow. like, here I am, like, I'm in my, you know, my late 20s and I'm like, I'm like, what do I do? You know, <laughs> people are still calling me. And so one opportunity, another opportunity like this is. Yeah. Yeah. That's and, very and, cool. And so and I, I've said this before. I don't wish, I don't I don't ever wish anything bad upon anybody. And, I, and my old employer, I, I really wish them the best. They're, they're a great team of guys. But the, the I always said this is that. I understand his position, but it never justified his actions. And, and I, you know, we, you know, we had to go. That's a real world. That's a real world statement. That's exactly what that is. You know, it's sad because I I don't have malicious intent for people. And, and, you know, sometimes business and and emotions, they get tangled up in this web and, and sometimes someone ends up hurt on the other end. And um, so I started, what ended up happening is I started my own distribution company and it was, we called it ProCS, Professional Cleaning Solutions. And I was back in business for myself. I bought a route truck. Um, I rented a, a shop. A friend of mine has a trucking company. So he, he leased me like 4,000 square feet. He let me use his forklift. It was the deal of the century. My, oh, my, my uh, overhead was very slim and I had a lot of my old customers that were loyal to me that wanted to buy from me. And I was in business. We were, we were in business for almost two years. I think it was 22 months. And my business partner, you know, we were, we were making money and we were profitable. But what was happening is <clears throat> our receivables kept climbing and climbing. And so we were selling, but we were, we were having a hard time kind of collecting that money. And it, and as a, a new business, you know, starting up, you got to have operating capital. Yeah. And so we had, you know, we were making money, but it was tied up in receivables. So it was kind of, and the old company, they were doing stuff to try to, you know, give away free stuff. And so every, you know, like a net 30, net 60 with some of these, we guys? were not 30 days. We gotcha. were not 30 days, but on average, you know, between independent shops and stuff, it was taking us, you know, 60 days or more to collect all our money. Yeah. And you know, when you're buying truckloads of detailing supplies at 40 to 50,000 a crack that, you know, it's like, you got to have that, you got to have that money. I'm going to get paid guys. Come on. (laughs) Yeah. So I, I was back to this position, you know, at this point at my, my father had passed away and I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to think more of like, okay, like what would my, you know, like what's the right thing to do. And there's a local company here that my business partner was very uh, at the time was very close with. 
and he had kind of set up, um, basically worked on uh, terms for us to sell to our competitor locally. And at the time, I was so like so pro this and so independent that I fought it tooth and nail. I'm like, no, 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 no. We're going to keep going. We're going to keep going. And finally, my cousin talked some sense into me and was like, you know what? This is probably the best thing to do. Don't think of it as a failure. You know, like none of us, you know, we were in business. We were successful. We all made a little bit of money. And this is another stepping stone. You know, let's let's sell the business. And so we ended up selling the business um, to a local company, a, a giant here in the Midwest uh, and locally. At the time, they were in Elmhurst, SNS Automotive. And I competed against SNS Automotive, you know, from, from a kid. So I was very familiar with their product line. I was very familiar with their personnel. And it was more personal is what it, it was. was. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was a personal thing. And so, you know, at the time, SNS had a bad rap on the street. But, you know, when I went to go work for these guys, I found that that was uh, quite the opposite. There were some, you know, there were some really great people that, that worked in that organization. Guys that have been there, you know, 25, 30, 40 years. And I tell people like, you don't work for an organization for 25 or 30 years if they're terrible, you know? Yeah. And so I became really tight with, with a lot of the, the sales guys that, you know, that I worked with. And I kind of, out of 27 sales guys, I, because of my, my wealth of knowledge with, you know, all my detailing background and testing chemicals and stuff, I was known as like the detail guy. And so we were, you know, we had all these different product lines. I mean, SNS was selling Technician's Choice. We were selling Meguiar's. We were selling Ardex. We were selling 3D products. I mean, so we had like multiple lines. And so I was like the king of part number conversions. You know, anytime someone was out in the field and they're like, you know, hey, what's a match to auto match or what's a uh, what's a match to, you know, uh, Carbrite's this. And it was like, I'm like, all right, you got to send them this. Got to send them that. And it, it I, I, I liked that role. But what I didn't like is my pay structure had changed. You know, I was used to working a hundred percent commission job and the owner of SNS had given me a, uh, he, I mean, he was, he was a gentleman about it. He, you know, paid me a salary up front. So I didn't have to worry so much about trying to compete with pricing. And it, it was a, it was a really cool move, but my, I, I wasn't used to that type of base pay yeah. and then a smaller commission. Right. And so as, as it changed my, as I grew my, my book of business with them, my, my, uh, my base pay went away and I went to straight commission and I, and because of my background being on my own, I know what these products cost. I know what my markup is. I know what my margin is. And I, I found myself, um, and, and I, I should, I should slow down. I should say <laughs> I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself here, but when I got employed by, by SNS, you know, they, they absorbed our business, they absorbed our receivables. And, um, it was a, a really, uh, scary time for me, but what I learned from all this stuff really put me in a, in a much better, uh, business headspace because it gave me the opportunity to kind of now start dealing with more top tier, uh, you know, car dealership owners, um, managers, service managers, part, parts managers. And it gave me the tools and the, and the scope of business to put myself in their shoes, right? Help, you know, because in my twenties, when I was selling chemicals, I'm like, I'm like, wow, you're buying a barrel from this guy for 300. I can do it for 250. So I'm saving these guys 50 bucks. 
and saving guys money on products. But that doesn't necessarily fit into some of the operating costs that these bigger you know, stores have. So what I value about that business lesson from those guys was giving me the opportunity to actually sit down at round tables with car dealer owners and with managers, try to help these guys formulate plans to actually make a little bit more profit, right? And I, I feel like that was, uh, th- that was completely, was the, was the most valuable piece. And, it, and it, it really allowed me to spread my wings, you know, as a so business. it became a real stepping stone. Came a, it became a real stepping stone. So now I kind of want to fast forward into how we got into the Matthew specialized detailing thing, because I had mentioned earlier when I got started selling chemicals, it was the perfect timing. It was before the time of the smartphone. It was before the time of social media. And it was really cool in the beginning to show up, you know, to a dealership or a detail shop where each guy had, you know, each manager had adequate staff. And if I was dealing with the parts manager, I could show up, the parts manager would give me his undivided attention for 20 minutes and say, Matt, I need this, I need this, I need this. Fast forward to the modern world. Now I'm out of the route truck, I'm working for SNS and I'm putting these orders in with the iPad. I started noticing what was going on in business is that number one, you started to see the, the labor force shrink, right? So people are trying to cut their overall operating costs. So we just start dissolving the apartments. Now, instead of having five guys to do one job, you have one guy do five jobs. And right. And so I started noticing a trend where a lot of the guys that I dealt with for many, many years, the not, not to their fault, but because they were wearing so many hats, they started getting sloppy. And, you know, I would show up right in the old days. It was like, Hey, okay, you need these 20 items. Beautiful. I'll see you next week. Well, now I show up, they're answering phones. They're dealing with this. They're dealing with this problem that I don't have their undivided attention. They start forgetting stuff, right? Like, Oh man, I need a box of razor blades. I need this. I need this. And so now you kind of, now you start doing their job, which is not, not necessarily a bad thing, but it started to accelerate my burnout rate because I was so passionate about my craft and I felt like I, I, again, once again, I had these limitations and I had this ceiling and I'm like, I'm like, you know, and in addition to the social media component and all this stuff, all of a sudden, everyone's instantly an expert. You know, I'm selling tools and I'm selling stuff. And if, if guy wants a Meguiar's product and I go in and, and he wants to buy a gallon of Meguiar's 85 compound from me for 75 bucks, he's just like, um, <laughs> I found it on here for 69. Come on, man. You know, and so it's like, all right, you know, this is great. I can match the price, but there goes all my commissions. So I started, I started seeing, I started seeing these diminishing returns um, in my sales. And it was, it, it, you know, it was troublesome for me. I was just like, I'm like, if this is the way the modern world is going to continue to go, and this is how I'm making my money as off commission sales. And there's a little bit left over for me at the end of every month. I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to continue down this path. And so one of my, one of my really big customers, um, in the city, he, he was a high, I mean, this guy was doing cars like you've never seen. He had a one-stop shop. He had like six or seven car haulers. He was going to the dealership, bringing back 30, 40 cars a day and doing touch up detail, uh, photos, dents. I mean, he was doing everything full recon full recon. 
I mean, it was, this guy was touching 700, 800 cars a month where he was doing, I mean, like it was insanity. We'd By go in Oh, he had a crew. He okay. had a crew, guys. I mean, I think at the time, oh, he had like 25, 30 employees. I was about to say that sounds about right. <laughs> and he he was the one that planted the seed in my head because he, he would always call me the salesman of the century. He's like, you're the salesman of the century. He's like, but the problem is, is you're selling these products and the products change. And then the manufacturer changes something. And you're the guy in the middle. You're the guy... Yeah have, you know, and, and he's like, if you want to make real money and you want to start making, you know, good money, you got to start selling service. He goes, you got to put the products away and start selling service. And that just kept ringing in my head day in and day out for years. And, um, keeps you on the forefront of the evolution of change versus being caught in the middle. Yes. Yeah. And I, and I, I had figured, you know, what it, what had really had changed for me, you know, through that time where I was working with SNS was, you know, my, I met my wife and my wife had, was going to school to be a doctor and, and she was working around the clock for her studies. And I was out in the field every day doing the hustle to, to take care of what I needed to take care of uh, financially. And then once my wife started her practice and started getting, generating some income, it eased my pain on my financial responsibilities. And my wife's, my wife is in the mental health field and she saw my mental health deteriorating in my days out in the field. You know what I mean? It was just like, I mean, I think about it now. It's like, I was driving 3000 miles a month locally, seeing 15, 15 to 20 brick and mortar stops a day. Okay. And on top of that, managing the phone calls. I mean, I look back at my call logs. I mean, no joke. I, between inbound and outbound calls on a daily basis, I, on my peak days, I'd hit the, the 80 to 100 calls between out and in. So 3,000 miles a month, fit, I mean, it, it was brain damage. And you're, dealing, and you're dealing with all these different personalities per day. I mean, those stops are not just stops. It's the personalities of who you have to communicate with, whether it be one or multiple people, and whether it be different languages or just they have their own days, right? They have their own bad days that they're coming into the truck all pissed off. Now they're taking that out on you. You know, because they maybe missed a product like you had mentioned because they were too busy last time around. They missed a product, but they're taking it out on you to make it seem like you forgot it. And it's like, whoa. Right. And then you got to go to the next stop and reset. (laughs) Exactly. No. And, it and you know, you can, you know, the business model was nice where I, you know, in the beginning, I would carry the tangible goods. And towards the end, I had a little, you know, iPad and I would just punch in the orders and we would send a satellite, you know, a truck the next day to drop off the stuff. And, you know, you get picking errors and, oh man, this isn't what I wanted. And it was just like, it, it just kept coming from every angle, like just a, like a, a Tommy gun. You're just like, oh, you know? And so I'm like, I'm like, all right, I am already, I, I had this realization before I started my detailing business. I was already at capacity and I was, I was burning out. I mean, I, I could, I couldn't handle any more daily this and daily that and filling these part number holes and all that stuff. And I'm like, all right, to get to the next level that I want to be at financially, I got to bring in more. And that means I got to make more stops and I got to make more phone calls. But physically, I just can't do it. You know what I mean? I, I, I just can't. I, can't. I can't do it. I'm already at capacity. And it was something that the leadership over there, they, they never really were able to compute that because they were a little out of touch. And that's what really kind of got me going with, with segueing into this because 
I always loved detailing cars. I've always really cared about it. And, and towards the end, I was, I was dealing towards the end of my career. I was dealing with two types of personalities. I was dealing with wholesale shops that didn't care about end result. Okay. And they just cared about bottom line price. They wanted the cheapest of everything so they could make, you know, their bottom line. Mm -hmm. That was personality. Number one, personality. Number two was the boutique detail guy like me that has seen every YouTube video has watched every Instagram thing and knows everything. And I, I was stuck between a middle of a rock and a hard place. Nobody, the, uh, the boutique guys thought everything I sold was garbage and the wholesale guys didn't even care about what I, what I was selling them. Right. It didn't matter. So the cheapest was gold. <laughs> yeah, right. So I was like, I'm like, I can't win. Right. I got, I can't win. I I'm, I'm fighting a battle that I'm not going to win. And I just, I, my wife was really the one that as she started increasing, you know, uh, the money that she was making, it, it eased my burden of having to, to, you know, to bring home the money all the time. And so I, and it, I was like, you know what, I want to go and just work on doing paint corrections and ceramic coatings. I've been doing this stuff for a long time. I have, I've accrued, I mean, you come into my shop, it's like a war chest of freaking detailing supplies that, you know, <laughs> I've built up over the years. So it's like, I'm not going to find you on that hoarding show. Am I? They're going to walk into your garage and have to step over all the McGuire stuff, all this stuff, all that stuff. <laughs> Dude, it's, it's pretty bad. Sometimes I come here and they're like, where, why do you have all this stuff? And I'm like, well, you know, I really like it. Leave me alone. <laughs> uh, it was great. You know, in, in my career, I've helped manufacturers, develop new products. I've helped manufacture copy other products. I've helped bring new products to the market. I've done a lot of the testing on my own. And so, you know, when you have that type of knowledge, I, I just felt that basically if I'm going to invest my time into doing anything, it should be investing my time into what maximizes my abilities the best. And that is, that's the detailing, you know, component to it. And yeah. I mean, my years in the field as a sales guy, has given me the opportunity to, uh, you know, overcome objections, deal with issues, put out fires, you know, and, and translating that into the detailing world. It's great. I mean, my customers that I have, you know, I have a small book of business and I'm growing. I grew my, my, I doubled my, my sales last year in a global pandemic, which is amazing. And, and I'm proud of myself for, for that type of stuff because, you could be the best detailer in the world. You could have the best products in the world. But if you don't know how to converse with customers and you don't know how to, you know, really earn their trust, you got a whole nother set of problems. That's you know? one of the biggest issues I think that's in our industry. You got all these other things at your fingertips, the right training, the right tools, the right products, but it mm -hmm. becomes you who's your biggest enemy, you that's in your own way of being able to communicate the yeah. right way. The right way. And, and I think I do that now like with my eyes closed in my sleep. And I, you know, I'm a, I'm a real, you know, how do I say this? Like I'm, I'm, I'm all about honesty and integrity and to a default. I mean, you know, like sometimes guys are like, you know, if you want to be a top sales guy, you have to deal with some ugly dealings. You have to do some unorthodox thing and do some radical things. And I, I don't like to operate like that. No. I like to operate with honesty and integrity. And, and I feel that that's, the piece that I enjoy now the most is now I'm kind of at a point where I can grow my business organically and I don't have to hit these 
high dollar sales goals. I don't have to fill all these holes. I don't have to do this radical unorthodox stuff. And I can just be genuine. I could be honest. And, and it's so much more for me fulfilling than what I was doing before. I, I, and it's easier to remember when you revisit those conversations because it's the same thing because there's so much honesty and integrity behind it that you repeat the same spiel every time. You know, and it's not that it's repeat. It's just that that's the standard of what you do. So it, it doesn't change. And that makes it way easier to remember those past conversations that you may have had with a customer yeah. versus them trying to play words against you. No, you're you're 100 percent right. And it, it's it's been really it's been really uh, a joy to watch it kind of unfold because, you know, I'll be completely transparent with you. I'm not making the money that I was making before. I was making a lot more money when I was doing sales. But the good news is, is that when I wrote out my business plan based off of selling days, you know, in the year and how much, you know, my capacity, what I could do, I know that by, I get, by the time I get to my five-year mark in business, I will be making a lot more money than I once was. And I think the piece that I enjoy about it, uh, you know, a lot is, and I, I go back to my, you know, my father, my dad taught school for almost 35 years, saved his vacation days and everything to retire early. And, you know, he unfortunately got sick and then passed away. And everybody talks about this retirement piece, retirement piece, which I know will eventually get there. But I, I kind of like being able to, with, with being in the Midwest, how we have these cold winters, you know, business slows down. And, it, and it, um, I take that as a, a, an opportunity to recharge. And I, I feel like, you know, even though I'd mentioned earlier, you know, in the route truck, you know, I was concerned about not being able to deliver the drum or deliver the five. I'm kind of back in that situation again, where if, gosh, if I break my arm or I break my leg, I can't work on the vehicles, but at least my wife now is making good money. And if, if there's, if we have a total disruption, we're not going to lose our house and we're not, you know, we're not going to have these types of problems. So it, it's the, the peace of mind that I have today is, is much better than the one I had a, a while ago. And I, I really truly value that so much more today than chasing the dollar, you know? Um, and that, that's what I love about, I, that's what I love about detailing is it's, uh, you know, my, my, my other two passions are playing music. I've been playing guitar for 25 plus years and snowmobiling and, and, you know, with, with the seasonal business, when stuff gets slow, I can focus a little bit on my other passions, you know, uh, during Do, the slow enjoy time. yourself or be proactive for the business. Yeah. 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 And it, it's, I, I really think now with the, you know, the global pandemic has done a lot of damage, but I think if, depending on, on how you view things, I think in the, with the right mindset, it, it has done some good. And I think there's a lot of people that, um, you know, that were, have a situation like me that have worked for a company and have kind of tried to scale and tried to do these different things. And it, and it may or may, it, you know, ha hasn't worked out for them. And I think, um, I think, it, like I said, that, that, that mental space that most people are in today, um, having a, a flexible job uh, or a career or something that's a little bit more flex will ease the trouble in your brain. And I think the quality of life is, is very important. Oh, know? absolutely. Absolutely. And these, you know, with mentioning the pandemic or any situations that's a setback, it's more of a necessary evil. Sometimes it's the, ne it's the necessary thing to take a couple steps back or a step back in order to move five steps forward. Yeah. And nowhere it just brings you out of the bubble to reality to be like, oh, crap, I didn't look at it in this perspective. And right. then it makes you come to like an epiphany or a realization of what you really have in front of you to go harder 
or to do it differently to make it better. Yeah. And, and that's not such a bad thing. And it's all perspective, no. right? It's, it it's is. all on how you look at that. You can look at it at a negative perspective or a positive perspective. It's like right. putting a wall in front of you. It's not going to stop you. How do I get over it, under it, or screw it, through it? Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. So, right. And that's how you got to look at it sometimes. So no. with, yeah. with everything, and, and we're getting close to time. So with everything you have going on now, as far as uh, what's, give me information on your location, how people find you, all that good stuff. So if somebody wants to look you up, or if you have someone in your local market that has watched this and they may want to, you know, reach out to you. Sure. Yeah. So I, I work, I, I've transformed my home garage into this little boutique detailing studio. It's pretty badass decor. I've seen pictures. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, it's small, but it's super functional. And I, you know, I'm not a volume guy. I one car at a time. Sometimes when I, and I'm at my peak, I'll have two or three, you know, cars waiting kind of in, in line. Um, but you can check out information. Um, my website's pretty simple. It's mattswax.com. M-A-T-T-S-W-A-X.com. Mattswax. Um, I could be found on Instagram at Matt's underscore wax. And, um, I'm located here in Itasca, Illinois. I'm actually just about eight miles West of O'Hare airport. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's, I was close to moving out of here and getting into a shop and it kind of fell through. And I think it's, it's a good thing, at least for the short term. I mean, eventually I'm going to need to scale. I'm going to need to get more room, but for right now, it's nice to not have the overhead, um, I, I really appreciate the space that I built custom for me because that always bugged me walking into some of these shops where guys would complain about something not performing right. But really, it's not that the product's not doing it. It's the, the, the workflow is a little off. So, you know, this shop is ready to go. Like if someone called right now, hey, pull it in. The pads are ready to go. Everything's ready to go. Turn the power on. Let's get to work. Um, and I appreciate that. You know, in the summertime, it is a little challenging in the winter months to, to wash, not that I can't wash in here. It just elongates the process a little bit. So my garage is just under 800 square feet. And, um, I use every inch of that 800 square feet from, <laughs> from wall to wall, ceiling to ceiling. Um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a great little shop. And so, you know, this past year we, we, we've had, a, a, a it's been a growth year for me, both in my business and in networking. Um, I've become pretty close with Jason Kilmer, Kilmer and I've spent a lot of time together this past year and Jason and I have worked, uh, my, my old customer, Anthony, that I was telling you about, he has got a, a really beautiful building in the Pilsen industrial corridor called Chicago auto recon. And it's about uh, 30,000 square feet wow. spread out over three floors. And, um, conveniently he is across the street from the Benito Juarez Academy, which is a, a high school. And it's a, it's a predominantly a Latino community. And their automotive teacher retired uh, at the start of 2020 and had the, the, the school had approached my, my friend and asked him to, you know, maybe teach the high school students about automotive. And so we're, we're using his, we, last year we did three trainings out of his facility that was uh, high school students kind of in conjunction with some paying industry professionals that wanted to learn wet sanding, paint correction, ceramic coating, that type of stuff. And so the global pandemic has kind of, you know, uh, put some barriers on what we can and cannot do, but we are planning to do a couple more trainings this year out of that facility, three of them for sure. Um, and you can find more information about that on my Instagram and um, I'm also on my website. So um, that's very cool. That's yeah, it's, cool. it's, it's, we want, we want to kind of, we want to 
we want to promote entrepreneurship and we want to promote kind of working with your hands because it doesn't take a genius to see that we've kind of drifted a little bit away from that. You know, I mean, technology is, is helped our, our world in, in a lot of ways, but there are still a lot of things that come from working with your hands. And, and I think that whether you want to be a detailer or not, even if you start work, you know, that, that those things that you might learn working with your hands and the workflow and the process and dealing with customers, you know, say you start a detail shop or work with a detail uh, outfit for five or six years, that could be your stepping stone yeah. to your, your next thing. The craft and, no one could ever take from you yeah. once you learn it. Yeah, exactly. So this past year, even though the global pandemic has, it's given us opportunities to focus on some of these other things that have been kind of on the back burner for a while. And now they're on the forefront. And um, the trainings that we did, they, the last one we did in November was really special. We were originally supposed to have like 25 people. And then because of the pandemic, it scaled back. I think we ended up having 15 but, you know, 15 people spread out in different with over 30,000 square feet, big space. Yeah, we were able to appropriately social distance. And um, it was really a, a special event, you know, having the, the younger beginners there with some other life guys that, that, you know, guys that have been in the industry for 15 or 20 years. It was very empowering um, for almost kind of like mentorship where it's like you got some guy that's green and doesn't know anything about this industry and you've got another guy that's been in it 20 years and they're both coming together to kind of learn um it's very powerful that is I love very, very powerful that. stuff so i'm looking forward to this season um I, this this morning i got two phone calls for guys inquiring about ceramic coating i'm starting to book up into march and and it's it's the, the detailing business is about to explode here in our market because of the crazy, I mean, we've gotten close to 40 inches of snow in about four weeks and yeah. now it's starting to melt and the car Once that melts away. The phone starts ringing. Yeah. The, the <laughs> phones, uh, the phone, the phone start, st start ringing. So same difference here with rain. Once the rain goes away, the phone starts ringing. Yours is just yeah. solid rain and mine's just wet rain. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, and I, I know that I know, you know, before we wrap up, I, you know, being all my years in, in distribution, you know, we were always selling buff and shine pads. They've always been on my route truck. They're in my shop. I mean, and, and um, I've always loved the constructions of the pads and I'm learning with the old school wool pads. I mean, I still, I think I have old school wool pads from you guys, gosh, from, from 10 years ago that, you know, have been washed and cared for. And, and, they, and they're, they, they're still in my shop today. So um, definitely been a, a big fan of Buff and Shine pads long before uh, I knew you and Clint and, and the whole team. So, well, thank you. I appreciate that. And I'm sure, of course, everybody at Buff and Shine definitely appreciates, you know, yeah. being involved you, with us from the early years on up. Yeah, you guys have a great organization. It's, thank it's you. Really, thank it's you. good people. Good people are hard to come by. And I think we know that more these days. So it's, it's you got to, you got to hold on to the good ones while, while they're around. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a good team. It's a tight team. And that's what makes it special is because, you know, we're not, we don't have loose ends and things of that nature. And, and, and the leader himself, Rich, who owns the company, he's just that he's a great leader. And he, he lets us work our space and work the magic for him because we, we get the trust to do so. Sure. And, uh, and it works out very well that way. And awesome. Um, awesome. So as far as, you know, with us and coming to an end, do you have any words of advice to those that are listening, any other detailers or upcoming distributors, just something short and sweet that you could give them that may help them on their way? I mean, you've, and let me stop, you've helped a lot with your background story and 
the amount of knowledge you have from the way that you came in and through the industry from all the different spaces of the industry that's a lot not a lot of people get that experience a lot of guys as you know jump into detailing and they just learn from trial and error and then get better and better but being right. able to see things from your perspective from the positions you've had have definitely contributed to how unique you've become for being a business owner so i sure. think that adds a lot of value to whatever you may have in regards to advice well i would my, my suggestion would be you know it's it's good it's good advice for myself don't be so hard on yourself and try to, you know, blaze your own trail. In the modern world, we try to, you know, be like this guy and do what this guy is doing, but that doesn't always come to fruition. And, it, and not to say that it's not bad to get ideas from other people, but I really think if you can just be your own entity and, and also put in the time, you know, it's like, you know, you might not get the results you're looking for right away the time make your first pass with the rotary buffer or a DA, but just keep swinging the X, just keep doing it. You know what I mean? No one's going to laugh at you. No one's going to pick on you. You got to just keep, keep going, you know? Yeah. And so I think it's just a, it's just a characteristic of the modern world. Everything is fast. Everything's quick information, Google, you know, social media. And sometimes when you're learning and you're, you're fine tuning and developing your craft, that takes time. So if you can, not get discouraged, keep swinging the ax and blaze your own trail. You're going to be successful. It's just a, it's just a, a matter of time at that point, you know? So that's awesome. That's hopefully, awesome, hopefully that, uh, that can inspire maybe somebody. And if you guys have any inf other information, um, I'm, I talk to detailers uh, around the world all the time with my Instagram and, uh, I'm happy to help. I'm happy to share ideas and suggestions. I'm, I'm a non-threatening guy and, uh, I just really, love helping guys, you know, better themselves and become successful. So I appreciate Buff and Shine support. Um, you guys are great. I know the last time I've seen you was at the, the IDA, uh, the car wash show. Uh, yeah, that was, wash show. that was 2019. Yeah, and we were in um, Nashville. Nashville. Yes. Yep. Yeah, yep. that was a good time. I got yeah. to meet Kid Rock and yep. hang out with some cool people. And yeah, that was that, and yourself. Yep. Yeah, that was awesome. Well, good. Hopefully we'll get to meet up again in person before Took two the words out of my mouth. I can't wait to be able to get back out to events and start doing that again. This is, that's what has made this be able to happen, but at the same time, be able to finally get in front of people again and enjoy company. Sure. sure. So thank you, Matt. Um, again, appreciate you being on as number Absolutely. 17 for our reflection artist podcast. And thank you everybody for actually taking the time out of their day to watch or hopefully at a later date, listen on one of our podcast platforms. And of course you can find this on the Buff and Shine page on the reflection artist page. It will be up and live. Well, it was live. It will be up for you to rewatch of course, but thanks again. And uh, appreciate everybody watching And Matt. I appreciate everything in regards to uh, your story and what you've done with helping out other people today. Thank you. Absolutely. Well, we'll see you on the flip side and uh, yes. have a good one. Okay. All right, Matt, take care. All right. You got it. Take care now. Thanks for tuning in this week to Reflection Artist Live. We hope you had fun and learned something new. If you missed an episode or are looking for more, check us out on our social media or podcast platforms. And join us next week when we have another amazing guest. Don't miss it. We'll be talking business, life, and detailing. Also, don't forget to check out BuffAndShine.com for a variety of buffing pads and accessories for your detailing arsenal.